This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. I really wanted to make sure that the first time I had a guest on the Education Business Podcast, it was for a very good reason. And that it was a guest who could really share valuable knowledge that is relevant for education business entrepreneurs. Well, I did it. I did it. I'm absolutely delighted to share my chat with Keris Keneally with you today. So Keris helps children's activity providers and education businesses to approach schools and nurseries without cold calling so that they can grow their businesses with confidence and have a bigger impact on children's lives. So over the last 20 years, Keris has been a primary school teacher, a school subject coordinator, a dance business owner, a teaching agency manager, and head coach at a business school. These experiences have taken her all over the world, and it's a combination of the expertise gained during this time that has led her to actively helping hundreds of businesses improve their sales and marketing strategy for approaching schools and nurseries with really great success. So let's find out how Keris recommends we should up our game when it comes to getting into schools. So Keris, thank you so much for joining me on Education Business Podcast. Thank you so much for having me here, Claire. So you're recovering right now. So thank you so much for joining me, even though you're not feeling 100%. No, no, that's fine. Really happy to be here and back in amongst things. So we're going to talk about approaching schools. That's like your signature thing to talk about. But before we get into that, I just thought you were obviously a teacher before, just like me. Yeah. And like a lot of the people who are listening to Education Business Podcast, what was it from teaching that made you want to go into business in the first place? Yeah, it's a really interesting one um, because I became a teacher straight after university. I'd always worked with children in some capacity. So I always knew that if I was going to have a business after teaching, it would still very much be in the education sector in some way and working with children in some way because that's that's all I'd ever known. Um, five, it was a really interesting kind of journey for me, if you like, in, in the first five years of my teaching career, which actually took me all over the world. So I went to teach in Bangkok and it was when I went to teach in an international school in Thailand and they really wanted me to bring my creative side into the teaching. They really wanted to raise the profile of arts, creative arts, performing arts across the school and they wanted me to become a dance specialist for that school Um, and it was a really great time where I was able to be very very creative with my teaching Um, I experienced a situation whereby I actually had much smaller class sizes over in Thailand so I had a little bit more freedom um, as well and it's I suppose it's one of those cases of seeing that the grass is greener on the other side so after my two-year stint in Thailand I came back to the UK as a teacher and you know was thrown straight back into the the paperwork the bureaucracy the government standards you know absolutely everything that 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 we forget becomes part and parcel of teaching rather than just being able to teach (laughs) and um I thought back to my time in Thailand and how I had been able to be really creative with the curriculum and how I could go and uh cover other people's classes and teach their classes dance while they they taught my classes other subjects and I thought I wonder if there's a way that I can do this in the UK 
but it's probably going to need to be as a business and it's probably going to need to be with a number of schools. And that's how my dance business initially evolved when I stepped out of teaching. Yeah, I love that. It's always interesting how... I mean, this is not just teachers, this is anyone, but our experiences always lead us into whatever it is in terms of entrepreneurship. Yes. I always say, because, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur and when I think about, you know, my new venture teacher growth club, I can see that everything that's happened in my life has brought me to this point. So I love the fact that you went to Thailand and then you had this new experience that you wouldn't have had in England or Wales, where you are now. And... It was just this whole new kind of opening of a window so that then later you could open a door. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's been the case for all of my business experiences, really. They have naturally evolved from what's gone beyond before. And I've, I've really enjoyed that journey side of things. So in terms of dancing then, because this is something that we have in common. I was a secondary school dance teacher. Ah, yes. What, what did you did you teach dancing before? Was was that your degree, or did you just do it in Thailand? Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, so I'd always danced since the age of three, but it had always very much been a hobby. So it had never been part of my professional career. We didn't get a chance to do anything like um, dance GCSE at our school when I was in secondary school or anything like that. So it had always just been a, a you know a hobby in the sidelines. Um, but it was something that I was very much able to bring into primary teaching um, and love to be able to teach dance. Um, but obviously it was only sort of on the curriculum for a small portion of the year um so to be able to specialize in it in it properly in Thailand for them to ask me to do that was fantastic because it was almost like living out another dream that I hadn't quite yeah. got on board with yet so um no I hadn't had the professional training but it, it just always been a passion that I was able to then combine with teaching yeah and and I used to love teaching uh dancing primary as well because obviously because I'd been like a subject specialist I suppose it's like a science teacher going into primary doing science lessons I'll be like oh my word my science everyone will think the science lessons are great they're not necessarily that you know it's just that they've got more experience in that and I used to absolutely love it when it was PE on supply and I'd be like we'll be doing dance and they go oh miss we don't want to be doing like movement and I'd be like it's fine I'll teach you street dance (laughs) or we'll learn thriller or something because it was just it was just me playing out my version of fun which was really nice yeah amazing I love that yeah so then you teach approaching schools yes um how to approach schools yes in terms of selling them something or selling them a service or selling them lessons yes how did you learn that (laughs) how did how, how did that happen so you've got this business and you're like right I want to teach dancing now and I'm going to go into schools but like teachers, we don't have that mindset. How did how did you figure it out? Yeah, through a, a long drawn out process, I have to say, through absolute mm-hmm. trial and error, trying and testing, lots of different ways, ways that scared me, ways that I felt confident with, just just trying everything. And of course, you have people that say, you know, you should try this, you should go and cold call loads of schools, or um, you know, you should you should try it this way. And 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 to be fair, there is no wrong way, but you have to find a way that's right for you. And it took me some time to find a way that was right for me. And what I found was that every time I was trying to call a school 
They were ushering me off the phone. They were asking me to email them. I realized it was very, very time consuming. Um, actually, I didn't have lots of contacts in school. So I'd exhausted my initial contacts in schools quite quickly. And I was looking for more of a direct method of getting into schools that perhaps didn't know me yet. So there was a lot of trial and error and a lot of kind of, well, I didn't really enjoy doing it that way. I want to do it more of this way. How can I make it work better this way next time? And, and looking at the things that worked and the things that didn't work yeah and I think that's a really hard thing isn't it because you were probably similar situation to me where there is nothing out there which is education and business together and yeah you you're listening to business mentors and business coaches yeah. and they're going sell to them like this and do this and call, call yeah. them and you you know yeah this will work and it and it, and it doesn't it doesn't yeah. and I feel like you know that's something that education business club is really focused on in in bringing these two worlds that could collide and trying to make them fit nicely together yes and it's so difficult isn't it to try and take what you learn from the business world and then go well scrap 70 percent here's my 30 percent that's useful and then okay I've just got to figure out this extra 70 percent now yeah, you're absolutely right. Because back then there was no one I could ask. I didn't, you know, I had business mentors, like you said, but they didn't have any experience of working with schools. Most of the time they didn't have experience of working with children either. And it, it mm. is a different ball game. And you do still have people out there throwing out these kind of wild advice that they don't know will actually work because they've either not worked in the education setting themselves or they haven't worked with people who work in education settings themselves. And it doesn't always, you know, there's a lot that does marry up, but there's a lot of things that are kind of I would say unique to schools and working with schools in that way so did you get a lot of people telling you to cold call yeah, my very, 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 very first business coach had a sales background, a corporate sales background, and very much was of the opinion that corporate sales is just like school sales and it will all be the same. Um, so yeah, I did have that advice and I did reluctantly try it and I had a small amount of success, but I didn't enjoy it. And I think if you're going to have a strategy that you're going to use in the long run in your business, and it does need to be long term, I always say approaching schools is never a one and done thing. You are in a, a, a really mm. big long game. Um, you do have to have a strategy that works for you that you're going to enjoy otherwise you're not going to do it and you're not going to stay accountable to doing it and your business isn't going to grow unless it's one that works for you yeah yeah it's it's just the whole thing about entrepreneurship isn't it yeah one of the things that I say is that it's easy to leave the classroom it's really hard to find something that you're passionate about that yeah. you can keep coming back to yeah because we can all want to leave the classroom and then come up with this idea but if if it doesn't light you up you're going to get bored really quickly and you've got to be able to keep coming back to it, haven't you, like you said? Yeah. So how how do we approach schools? How should we approach schools? So for me, because of the time-consuming nature, a lot of the children's activity providers and education providers that I work with, they are by nature time poor. And I, I remember that time when I was busy, you know, going from one role to the next role and, you know, maybe delivering clubs in kind of six different locations in one day. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a busy time. So I found that there were some situations where I could actually maximize my time 
And I found that the route that worked best for me was a combination of emails and letters because on the calls, schools were very quick to want to get me off the phone because I would have a list really, really long and it would take a really, really long time to go through them. Actually being able to use emails, you can pretty much, you know, you can you can hit a lot of schools in a, a short amount of time, but you have to do it the right way. You can't be going out kind of trying to um, BCC a whole group of schools in or no. um, trying to do like a a mass blanket approach where it's not going to be relevant um, for a lot of the schools that you contact. You do need to have a unique and personalized approach um, because it is about building a personal connection. You're not really building this connection with the schools. You're building this connection with the key decision makers behind those computer screens. And you're wanting to get to the right key decision makers so that you can start building this personal connection because people do buy from people. Um, so for me, the, the method that worked was having a personal personalized approach to email um, and having it in a way that very much gets to the the root of why a key decision maker would want your service in their school and not I think the key here is not trying to sell straight away so um, for me it was a, a, a group of dance teachers that actually were asking me you know how did you get into schools and I had to think about the ways that worked and the ways that didn't work um, so for me I decided it came down to really five key ingredients in any school's campaign and it's when dance teachers were coming to me and saying emailing schools doesn't work I've tried to email schools before I haven't had a response what is it you've done that is different um I realized that what they were saying to me was some kind of common errors in a way that they were either trying to sell to a school straight off the bat or they were talking about themselves a lot in the email and not really um getting to the the point of what the problem could be for that key decision maker and why they might want that service um so there's lots of things here whereby it doesn't really matter how we're communicating with the schools so long as we're doing it in a way that's going to resonate with them in a way that's relevant useful and valuable and I found that addressing their problems first and foremost is key because that's going to grab their attention so that Mm. they actually read (laughs) your communication Um, I found that offering something of value that is going to demonstrate how you can deliver outcomes to the pupils and how you can create impact for the school is the next key thing again it's not about selling it's about giving them an experience of working with you the selling becomes the next logical step after that Um, I also found that you know working in different Different ways of social proof so bringing in kind of testimonials and reviews from other schools if you have them if you don't have them from other schools then perhaps from parents of children you've worked with in the past um, and then being really really clear about how you want them to get back to you because I found that a lot of the people that were struggling they weren't giving the schools clear methods of communication to get back to them or clear ways of um, taking the next step um, because teachers are time poor and key decision makers are even more time poor so throw into the mix a a busy head teacher a busy business manager they need to be able to scan read your email see exactly what you're offering and know exactly how to get in touch with you to claim that and I think there's a lot out there when people email something they they really want to talk about themselves they really want to sell all of their services and talk about everything they do all at once and it becomes quite overwhelming so it's just about cutting through that and just having a really streamlined succinct approach to, to 
getting your foot in the door initially so you can then have these further conversations about what you would perhaps look to sell um, to them once you have a thorough understanding of what their problems are and whether you are the right person to solve them. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's almost like you've got to find a way to get the gatekeeper on side, haven't yes. you? To like believe in you. Yes. Because you don't really know who the key decision maker is no. in that school because it 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 just depends, doesn't it? It yep. depends I suppose whatever your whatever service yours is, but in some like you know this, don't you? So in some of the schools it's the head teacher, sometimes yes. it's a deputy head, sometimes yes. it's some random teacher. Absolutely. Oh yeah, they do RE, but you know, if it's any dance thing then <laughs> they're the person yeah and it's not always logical either so I suppose it's really about trying to build a relationship where they're not just gonna block everything that comes from you and they're gonna I suppose maybe support you and and, and stand up for you in the school yeah absolutely right and you are 100% correct there is that one of the questions I get asked all the time is well who should I be addressing my my email to who's who's the person that's really going to want to run with this and actually there's there's going to be a few different roles within the school that you can build these connections with because you know on some level you've got the business managers who are going to be looking into budgets you've got the head teachers who are going to be responsible for making the the whole school situations over things like curricular lessons but then you've got the subject coordinators and they're like your influencers they're the ones that get really excited about the any kind of free taster you might be offering and they're the ones that are going to go and speak to the people with the purse strings but like you say there's there's class teachers with certain specialisms very often now even the school receptionists are tasked with coordinating clubs so you could very much be dealing with a combination of people within the school yeah yeah and I think it's interesting because at Classroom Secrets you know people will say to me oh Claire you're really experienced at selling to schools and and I always say I'm experienced at selling to schools in a specific way very similar to you yeah so your your experience at at approaching schools in a specific way for like in-person yes um events or training or classes and for me I'm experienced at approaching schools in giving the teachers what they really want and need and selling up Yes. Through, through the teachers it's always yes. about the teacher influencer yeah it's just about the way that you do it based on on the products or service yeah absolutely because they're the ones we're helping at the end of the day aren't we yeah, and I think that's what we've always got to remember is who are we helping and how can we best serve them and what kind of conversation is going on in their head right now because that's what we want to to, to look to appeal to essentially is if they, if they feel understood, they're going to be far more likely to want to buy from us at the end of it. Yeah, and I think, do you know what? We're talking about a really interesting point here and we could say, couldn't we say it's dance classes, we could say, oh, this is to help the children, but it's it's about stepping back from that because obviously it will help the children, but that's not what we're thinking about because the children are not going to buy. Yeah. That it could be that it's helping the PE teacher deliver the curriculum. Yes. Or it could be it's helping a teacher who should be doing an after school club, but they have the option for someone else to do it so they can do the marking. And so it's about getting really clear on it who it's really helping. And yes. maybe it's not as obvious as we first think. 
Yeah, and sometimes it can be completely outside of the box as well. I'd, I remember, and I always use this example, is that the problems aren't always exactly what you think they are or completely related to your service. So I even had a head teacher say to me, well, rather than coming and do an after school dance club, could you do a before school dance club? Because I really think that will help solve my parent parking problem. Um, and actually, so these head teachers and these school leaders have got bigger problems that kind of where they're looking at where you would actually fit in and how you can best you know solve a degree of different problems within the school that isn't even necessarily entirely related to what you think you're going in there and delivering and I think that's why these conversations are key and why we don't want to go in and just try and sell what we think the school might want from us and actually have these conversations first so that we are sitting in the right place and solving a very real problem for them. Yeah, I love that one. That one is brilliant. And yeah, if there was a before school dance club, I would absolutely love it at school. I wouldn't be able to get them there early enough <laughs> because it's such a struggle to leave the house. But th- that was a fantastic idea. There's a big parking problem at school. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. yeah. So that makes so much sense. I love that. So you, your approaching schools um, process is very much about emailing. Although you might have some calls. Why do you think that approach works so well? Um, I would say that, so I started working and talking to some teachers about this in around about 2017. And I found that when I was saying to them, well, you know, you could call them and you you could actually call up to check they got your email and, or you could call to see if you're reaching the right person and who's the right person you could put in your email. And what I found was that a lot of these children's activity providers that I was working with in, in the early days, they did not want to call. They didn't want to call at all to the point where they'd say, all right then, Karis, I'll do it because you're asking me to. And then they wouldn't get it done. And we'd be a month down the line and they still hadn't called their schools. And I thought, right, okay, it's, it's apparent to me that for a lot of people that would love to have schools as an additional income stream, they're not getting past the first hurdle because there's a barrier in place. And it's, you know, as much as I could say, oh, well, it's, it's, it's a mindset thing let's let's do some work on mindset at the end of the day if that is not somebody's preferred work way of working they're not going to carry on doing it so for me I found that actually um you know finding a way that would work for the majority of the people that were attracted to working with me would be a much better route through in trying to get them on board with their first few schools get some confidence because I find that a lot of it is about confidence and once uh people have got a bit of self-belief and schools are getting back to them and almost valid validating their offer and saying yes we would like this in in our school sometimes then those providers go on to be confident enough to make a call next time and follow that up and things like that but you would just find that a lot of schools do not welcome the sales calls these days you know they they haven't got time themselves you're not actually going to reach the person that you want to speak to because if you want to speak to a subject coordinator or a class teacher they're going to be teaching even if it's lunch break they're going to be out on playground duty They're going to be grabbing 10 minutes to have a sandwich if they're lucky. Um, You know, it's going to be very hard to actually reach the person you want to speak to. If it's a head teacher, they're most probably going to be in meetings all day. They're not going to be taking unsolicited calls. So in in the interest of making a personal connection, actually just trying to call out of the blue doesn't always serve you to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think what's interesting is, you know, you started with saying that they were, they were scared to call and I was, oh my word, I was scared to call. Yeah. I was scared of them calling me. Yeah. So so when um, I started Classroom Secrets, I had no intention of selling to schools at all because my mindset was, well, I'm helping the teachers 
and they could probably um, just cope with my uh, flaws. But if I spoke to a head teacher, oh my word, they'd see straight through me. They'd, they'd think, oh, she's left teaching. She's a failed teacher. And it's ridiculous, really. But I remember the first head teacher was from Manchester who wanted to get a subscription. And I don't even think he, he could email me because there was no phone number. I did not provide a phone number because I didn't want to be called. And so I think he messaged on social media and asked if he could call me. I was like, call me? What, <laughs> what am I going to say? He's going to ask me things that I don't know how to answer. And it was just, oh, it was like I was being observed by a head teacher I didn't know all over again. And and it's a big fear thing. And I think, you know, for ex-teachers who have left the classroom, we've we've generally left for a reason, haven't we? Um, and that's, that's not necessarily that something negative happened, but something inside us makes us feel negative and scared, usually of head teachers. And so the last thing we want to do is pick up the phone. So I like I agree with that sentiment so much. It's sometimes we're scared of the staff in school because we we felt like we really needed to respect them. It's really interesting you say that actually because I would say I have an inherent fear of head teachers right right from childhood when we had a a really scary head teacher that used to do hanky checks in assembly and if you didn't have your hanky in assembly you would be stood up and kind of ridiculed in front of the school hanky and, checks yes, how old are you yes when I was five this wasn't when I was a teacher this was when I was five <laughs> but um yes. but but yeah and it's you know ever since then I have had this kind of you know obvious massive level of respect for head teachers but a little bit of fear um in my NQT year didn't you know didn't didn't really um get on with senior management and so um like you say there are going to be a lot of people that have kind of come out of teaching who want to work with schools in some capacity but don't want to go back to the same way of working um with schools in that capacity and like you say there there might be some fears there in in how uh how how you will be received with your your new business as, as opposed to your in your teaching career so yeah I think that's a really valid point you've raised there I think a lot of us have that yeah and I think you can get over it really quickly as you say with confidence once yeah. you validated that oh this is working because because now I've spoken to loads of head teachers now I'm not scared of head teachers anymore yeah but I had to get to a point where you know head teachers were buying uh, a subscription to classroom secrets and then I believed oh maybe maybe it's okay maybe it's quite good <laughs> but we have to get to that point don't we um oh Keris, thank you so much this has been so helpful so tell us about your academy because you actually teach this in a lot more detail don't you yeah thank you so um the approaching schools academy is my signature program helping children's activity and service providers to get into schools and nurseries without cold calling and it teaches a a step-by-step method um it's a group hybrid program so you have a mixture of self-study course and live group calls and q a's um to keep you accountable and keep you moving forward so that uh, by the end of our six months together you will have learnt my entire step-by-step process uh, to help you get into schools oh thank you so much and I know that people that have worked with you have, have definitely seen success as well getting you know you just need to get your foot through the door sometimes yeah. don't you 
Yeah, we've had some amazing results and um, it really is testament to the providers that have come through the course is that they've kind of been able to set their inhibitions at the door, so to speak, kind of any preconceived ideas of, oh, school, this won't work for schools or schools don't get back to me or I don't have the right offer for schools. A lot of it, as I say, a lot of it is around confidence and mindset as much as it is about the strategy. Um, so we cover all of those bases in the academy and um, we have a mindset expert who will help you with any little mindset wobbles around speaking to head teachers or following up and and things like that yeah because the mindset piece is so important for any business owner yeah. really, isn't it uh, the thing that we work that we have to work on all the time yeah and um, so on social media where do we find you yeah so um you can find me at keriskeneely.com all of my channels whether it's facebook instagram linkedin it's all um keris Keneally, so you can search me and find me there and I have a facebook group for providers as well called the primary activity provider business club so you are really lucky that you have such a unique name I know lucky but also a curse in the sense that you're gonna to have to spell that if you want to find me <laughs> yeah I, I've struggled with that a few times <laughs> your name not mine <laughs> now you brought it up I can honestly say how do I spell this name <laughs> <laughs> do you know it was it was all you know when when I grew up in England um having a Welsh name I was always having to spell out the the, the Welsh part of my name um and then I moved to Wales and I thought great I'm not gonna have to spell out my name anymore but then I married a Keneally so now I'm spelling out my whole name again <laughs> yeah 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 it's definitely the Keneally bit that I was like oh I have I kind of spell yeah. it properly one one n two l's <laughs> You know what? For me, it's more the E and the A. Anyway, I'm getting too much into this. <laughs> but thank you so much. It's been so valuable. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. It's fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.